The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today. Hoopball presentation. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Follow Hoopball on Twitter at HoopballTweets. Online, hoop-ball.com. Definitely make sure you do that. Got a lot of great content. Got the Hoopball 360 package going on. Uh, that's everything you need to level up for fantasy basketball. Plus, there's a really super dope Hoopball chat. Uh, Discord, it's, it's, it's really kind of bomb. I had to mute it because I'm in it, but it's so much conversation all through the night. Uh, you know, I think I'm getting a text from family members or a significant other, and it's like, oh, no, it's, it's another chat. So I had, to, I had to pause for a second, but it's still going on. So definitely make sure to check that out. Um, I am beyond happy to have a special guest here today, um, writer for Hoops Habit, writer for Celtics Blog. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk a little bit about one article he just did recently. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at D underscore Lubowski, L-U-B-O-F-S-K-Y, uh, Daniil Lubowski. What's up, Dean? How you doing, man? What's going on? Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm pumped to have you on. Uh, not only fun to get some guests, but especially given the extension season just passed. Um, and there was a lot that went down. And I remember reading your article, and I was like, I was trying to catch up. I was going to do a, 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 you know, a show on this anyway. And I'm reading this. I'm going, all right, this is good. I like the, the points here. I'll have the link to the article, y'all, by the way. In the, in the actual uh, podcast thing. So check that out for sure. But I'm like, I'm going to see if I can get this guy on. Because I've read your work in the past. But like this like just clicked perfectly. So um, yeah, I'm happy to get talking about this. Um, but yeah, we had a bunch of extensions. Uh, obviously, a lot of it was the 2017 draft class that it was focused on. Uh, and just getting folks from there. Uh, you did have, um, what's Rudy? No, I think Rudy Gobert was before that for sure. Um, either way, you had other extensions as well. But... We're going to focus really on what you liked, what you didn't like, kind of spawning off your article, maybe adding a few more. Uh, but let's start with that. Of all the extensions, which were the ones that you liked the most? Which were the ones I liked the most? Well, mm-hmm. before I even start with that, it's important to note, like, restricted free agency is tough because you don't want to overpay for a guy, but you don't want to underpay for a guy. And some of it is tough because... You know, it's not so much about what you're willing to give, but, you know, if you let that guy get to restricted free agency, you know, mm. it's not so much about what you you think he's worth. It's about what other teams not even think he's worth, but what they're willing to give. We've seen in the past guys just sort of teams just throw money at a guy, which is a clear overpay, but just because why not? You know, they have the money to spend. And so if you're that team trying to retain the guy uh, before that even happens in extension talks, you got to have to, in a sense, you, you might have to... Uh, overpay a little bit from what he might be worth just to make sure it doesn't get to that it's sort of a middle ground between you know what he's worth versus what another team might pay for him and so you find that middle ground and i think we saw uh that with a lot of these contracts but one of the most i think one of the better ones Mm -hmm. um was for me at least was the kyle kuzma deal which was three years 40 million i was kind of surprised he got a deal done because all reports leading up to it were just kind of seemed like he was going to test the free the restricted free agent market, and mm. you know as someone who, uh, you know he's been sort of linked to you know there's this fantasy of him being a future star 
And obviously, as someone who has not made, you know, relatively speaking, has not made so much money during his time in the NBA as a 27th pick, that kind of, to me, that that was the recipe for someone trying to, you know, bet on himself uh, for a lucrative extension. But him and the Lakers came to a deal, 13 million a year. Uh, he gets to end of free agency in his in his year 28 season. Um, you know, look, he's not going to be the the third scorer. I think that everyone has sort of hoped, but I think he's found a nice value as an off-ball offensive player. Uh, and a nice versatile defensive weapon. So if you're the Lakers, uh, again, it's like I just said, you know, is he maybe worth 13 million? No, but you'd rather pay him 13 million now than risk having, you know, the the struggle of, you know, asking yourself, well, is he worth, you know, 15 to 17 million that some other team just put an offer sheet out on him for? I agree. In fact, I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about him first because I'm glad you liked. You made a great argument, so now I can take some of that and adopt it to my home because when I put him in, you can see in my when I said, okay, he's under my great area extensions. I didn't like him, but I didn't not like him. And for me, I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay, it's kind of a bargain considering, like, what he could possibly be if you're still on that train of the potential Kyle Kuzma's flash. That third star is what I was really – I'm was i not going to lie. I wasn't as hounded last year. I was really hopeful, but I just didn't see it. He did his best scoring when the Lakers were, you know, bottom of the basement in the West or that one year where, you know, LeBron was kind of out of it. So I, I didn't really see – um him breaking out like everyone else did. With that being said, he has enough potentially. I think he made strides on the defensive end. He can still score some. He definitely, I don't think, is the 18 points a game score that we saw maybe like a 15 to 17, if that. Um, but if you're paying him for what he can become, then I think you have a bargain. Because I think the idea, like the idealized version of Kuzma is probably worth a little bit more than that per year. With that being said, the version that we have right now, paying 13 mils a touch high. I thought. So I was like in my head not really sure where to put it because it can be a bargain. Is it one right now? No, but it's a solid deal. No, but like, you know, the Lakers, because again, there's especially next summer when a lot of teams are going to have cap space, I think the Lakers was kind of thinking of, okay, it's not so much as what he's worth, but what he's going to get. And it mm. wouldn't surprise me, you know, to see like, you know, let's say, for example, the Knicks where they have all this cap space, 22 on it. Hey, let's go get this guy. Let's go throw a lot of money at him. Uh, get him in New York. Uh, and so that would probably cost, you know, more than the 13 million the Lakers paid. And so they'd rather lock him in for 13 now. Which makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. And so moving forward, that's, that's, I guess, this, uh, one that we can look at. Okay. That's a good, um, solid one. I'm, I'm going to throw one out on the table. Uh, I like Darren Foxes. I thought that it was a little, I mean, it was, it was a max, but it was something that he, I mean, what? I think that he proved it was a, a max five year extension um, worth 163 mil. Now, mind you, I think a lot of this, it, it's, yeah, it's a lot of dough. It's a lot of dough. But, you know, the Kings dropped him fifth. He's coming off of a career year. I think he's improved uh, outside of injuries for the most part every year. Uh, 21.6 assists, you know, still in the half. He shot 40% from the field. Always can improve shooting to three, but I think he's done better on that. And there's been a marked improvement with the Kings in terms of win percentage with him running their offense. And at 22, I mean, he's someone that you can look at. Maybe one of the few pieces with um, Bogdan Madonovich out and, and not really knowing where Marvin Bagley is that you can go and say, okay, here's a, a key building block for us. Is he um, one that can be, like, the best player? I think more like your second best, personally. But I think someone that you can definitely lock up um, and move forward. And honestly, if you're Sacramento, I mean, you know, unless you're getting some of free agency, like, where is that money going? I mean, it's fine. Well, first of all, yeah, right. Like, if you're Sacramento, nobody else is taking that money, and we'll see that with yeah. the, the other extension that we're giving out. 
But it's funny because you look at Fox and you compare him to the, some of the other guys who signed those nine-figure extensions, and you look at mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, all-star, Donovan Mitchell, all-star, Bam Adebayo, all-star. And so in that sense, you kind of like question why De'Aaron Fox is getting $163 million. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, I mean, he's only he's 23 now, um, has improved his numbers each year of his career, uh, shot poorly from three last year, but um, in his sophomore year, it was 37%. Uh, this year he's up to 44% in over four attempts a game. Obviously, very limited sample size, <laughs> uh, but he's on the way up. Yeah. Uh, I I don't really trust the Kings to necessarily like do him right in terms of building a you know team that can make the playoffs. But just in terms of talent, right, it, it was a no-brainer extension. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, and that's why I was really solid on as far as someone that I'm like, okay. That's kind of what you want to do, you know. If you're a team trying to evaluate, and the Kings right now have no idea like moving forward. Was kind of going on, but you got a piece. You're able to negotiate, you know, moving forward as a as a young block. Okay, nail that and try to figure it out. Even if you know you are Sacramento and it doesn't look very likely that you will. Um, what's another one that you like, Neil? Um, I don't know if I I don't know how much I like it, but I'm intrigued by it, which yeah, is yeah. the Derek Wright White extension. It's like four okay. years, seventy three million. He yeah. had a breakout. Uh, 2019 playoffs where he helped take Denver to seven games, uh, but then sort of came off the bench last year, but then started down in the bubble and looked really good. Uh, and I was actually out with a foot injury. So that's kind of a bummer. So you've seen like where it could theoretically work. And again, he's another one of extensions where, you know, 73, 73 million might be a lot, but if you're San Antonio, you're not exactly a place for, for high level free agents. So like, why not sort of secure him now? Uh, versus maybe losing him in the future. Um, but yeah, like I, I like what San Antonio's done this year, where they just sort of said, okay, we have a lot of guards, so we're going to use him. So they're playing DeRozan at the four, Aldridge at the five, and you figure White's going to factor heavily into that when he returns. And so, assuming he does, I think that's what's going to make him look more like the guy who, you know, who performed in the 2019 playoffs and down in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like this one. I'm, I'm with you. I think that uh, injuries have kind of made it a little bit of an issue as well as having rather a bloated backcourt and trying to figure out starting, come off the bench, where does he fit? I think with this money maybe symbolizes from the Spurs where they ultimately see him and trying to kind of sort out, okay, where he fits with Lonnie Walker and, and DeJounte Murray and, you know, all these guys that take up that backcourt. You kind of moved um, DeMar DeRozan more to the forward positions, even playing some of the forwards of the bubble. But just in general, yeah, there was some confusion there. Uh, with that being said, I think he's another guy who – like who's a year older, 26, but he's still like able to help young teams and older teams because of where he is. Uh, he was drafted late uh, in the same draft, I think 29th. So um, in 2017, if I have that right, yeah, uh, 29th in 2017. So as far as another guy kind of getting some, getting paid late in the round, showing improvement, someone who can kind of be, uh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm thinking lead guard alongside DeJounte Murray, but definitely a, a solid playmaker, a good shooter. You know, you can kind of form your backward around for the next, what, four or five years. Um, well, four years for this one. Uh, and like you said, with the Spurs, you know, you're not making many major trade acquisitions. Uh, the last one you made was one of desperation with the DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know, that whole trade. That that was just because you had to. So that happened. But aside from that, the Spurs are going to do what the Spurs are. And this is a sign of them thinking, okay, this is kind of what they see as far as his future and where he fits. And maybe... Hopefully, on the more team-centric Spurs side, this symbolizes the commitment to this youth movement they're doing. You know, they could have easily said, okay, wait to restrict your free agency. 
let's try to get some bets. Not that San Antonio would do that, but in the mindset of trying to embrace where they are, you know? And so you have him, Keldon Johnson, um, you know, uh, Devin Bissell, Lonnie Walker, Jonte. You got a nice core of admittedly guards and small forwards that you can kind of evaluate moving forward. But, um, yeah, I like it. Yeah. And again, right, like that's why they're, they're going small because they have so many guards. I was like, why are we playing Jakob Pertl and the Marcus Aldridge in the front court when we can go small and play more of the surplus of guards that we have? Exactly. And watching them in the first two games this season, they've been at their best when they're pushing in transition. They have a lot of guys who can get out and go. And you, you imagine Derek White can factor heavily into that when he's healthy. Uh, but yeah, he fits right in. All right, last one I wanted to ask you about that I liked, um, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, OG Nanobi. I thought that for someone like where he, I thought that his performance uh, last year, especially the growth that he put out, rather than even play with restricted free agency, especially now with the honest off the table, um, you saw how he's developed under Toronto. And I think this is just them rewarding him. He's actually done a little bit better as an offensive creator um, from last season. Um, in flashes, I, I'm not going to admit to you know, seeing all of his development there. But usually I think OG and Nobi, I thought three and D guy. And now it's like a little bit more than like, okay, he can bring some. Is he worth that entire um thing? I think he can be. He obviously isn't right now, but I think it's it's more than solid. He was also a guy who I surprised who I surprised signed an extension because you considered all the hype around him and the the increased role he was gonna have with the departure of Ibaka and Gasol. I would have mm-hmm. thought he would have bet on himself uh and gone, you know, if there's, you know, a most improved player award or even just an all-defensive team selection later, and maybe he's signing a nine-figure deal. Yeah. Uh, he goes for around, what is it, 72, 73 million? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, great great deal for Toronto. You know, they obviously have a history of developing these diamonds in the rough. First it was Pascal Siakam, then it was Fred Rimley, and now OG Ananobi's looking like he's next in line. And with the departure of Gasol and Ibaka, there's going to be a lot more room to play him at the five, which is something Nurse dabbled with in the playoffs i remember it was it was like the lineup he used during those overtimes against boston in game six uh and it looks really well and for obvious reasons you know in today's nba uh if you can have a small ball five like a draymond type uh that's really valuable and so he figures to be used in that way uh and it should really help toronto you know fill the void that they have in the center position yeah for sure. I think that that versatility that he brings, being able to play that, you know, even being wing size, you know, but being able to hold up in that in that way of uh, the defensive versatility, like you said, locking him up alongside um, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, this core that you're kind of going for the next four years is really big for Toronto, especially like you said, they're big on player development. They can lock in now with, you know, big uh, free agent fish Giannis off the table and kind of move forward with these solid group of players that, can do, you know, they have some flexibility in their roles. Between Pascal, um, between the three and possibly the five, OG, I would say the same thing. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, definitely the one and the two, you know, in spots, maybe defensively, but, you know, he's kind of undersized there. But he plays a little bigger than his size, which is saying a lot, uh, you know, considering, you know, how he's still improving to finish around the rim. But all that being said, I think you're buying into your development, like you said, you're buying into that continuity, and you're rewarding a guy who has made some strides. So I thought that was another solid one. Um Shifting gears to ones that we did not like. And I definitely get your take on this because I keep trying to wrap my head around it. I get the logic. I've read a couple of articles to see, like, the side of why it makes sense. And I get that. But it doesn't change the fact that I don't like it. And that's Jonathan Isaac. Um, you know, it, yeah, I just – uh, it just did not work for me. Four years, 80 mil. Uh, he's been 
he's a solid. He had a solid year last year. Injuries, obviously, he towards ACL is going to miss an entire season. Um, he's been someone that I, I think that potential to be a defense player of the year has is still in play. You know, that versatility brings still is in play. Even with that being said, he's only played 136 games in his three seasons so far, uh, 75 of which came in his second season. So he basically had one good season. A lot of this is, you know, the first one was ankle injuries, then he had knee injury, and now he's the ACL. That's a lot of stuff to your lower part of your body for someone that, you know, is, is using a lot of the defensive end um, and can flourish as a building block for this team alongside another guy who we'll talk about in Markel Fultz. Hey, it's tough because you in the, and I and I wrote this I more or less verbatim like in a mm-hmm. vacuum you could totally see how Jonathan Isaac is worth eighty million as like mm-hmm. this you know growing offensively three point shot is coming along and just the defensive potential is incredible you know defense player of the year type you know I compared him to sort of an Andre Kirilenko who we are one through five that was going to steals and blocks um, right like the the injury history and it's not just the torn ACL right like he played only 34 games this year he only played 27 as a rookie and so if you're Orlando like and again they're a team that again is not going to be spending so heavily in free agency but I I just feel like like was he really going to get more than 80 million next summer like I don't I don't yes no I'm with you like it wasn't because you did it like I get it showing faith in your guy you know, locking on long-term. But unlike, you know, a guy you mentioned earlier, like Kuzma, where a team with desperation would be like, hey, we're just going to offer you the whole truck. I I doubt. Even teams that are fiscally irresponsible, I doubt would open the whole truck to a guy who has been available for, like, I'm not even going to do math on it, but, you know, a quarter to a half, somewhere between a quarter and a half of available games being able to be played. You know what I mean? It doesn't doesn't spell uh, great for, in my mind, the Magic, if he continues to have this injury history. And that's what you said, and I, I thought it was a great point. The player is, I, but here's my thing, even with that, I, I, I think it was a non-starter, almost like another guy we talk about later, Zach Collins, where they, hey, we'll figure it out later. You know, you're still a good player, we still have big plans for you, but we also got to maintain our flexibility, we got to see where we're going moving forward, and you're a part of this, but um, we're, we're able to test the market with you. If you can get a bigger deal, we'll match. We'll understand, you know, we'll eat that. But if not, and we, and we don't think not, then we'll come up with something that works better for both parties. You still get your money, but we also maintain some flexibility. And I think that 80 years is a great, I don't even want to say olive branch. Not like there was anything that was broken between the two. But I don't know. It was a, it was a pay of goodwill for a player that has shown flashes. But, I mean, that's a hell of a lot for some flashes, you know? Yeah, and... I don't know, like I don't think Isaac would have been like so insulted if the Magic you know didn't give him an extension. Like I don't, yeah, I don't think he would have been like such an like like a lot of players you see like they like John Collins is one of those guys who I think he's like taking it personally that he and I think as he should that he didn't get reason. for the way he played. Like John, if you're Jonathan Isaac, I don't know. I would like to think that he has the self awareness of like I'm coming off an injury, you know, all these injuries, and so like I kind of have to prove myself. Um, but like that's. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the Magic, yeah, with all the money they're not going to spend on free agents, they just they just didn't want to take the risk of someone throwing, you know, just banking on that potential and just saying we'll take the injury risk if we can if we can get his potential on our team. Yeah, yeah. the idea I get it. The opportunity, like like looking at what you possibly can have versus what's actually happened, and that's what makes these extensions, I guess, weird, especially the rookie ones, right? And again, Orlando doesn't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt. 
That is true. Like the Lakers do, because they're the Lakers and they're winning <laughs> champions, and they're coming off an incredible offseason, independent of what they did with Kuzma. But Orlando, not so much. They're not so sort much. Sort of content to get the eighth seed, and that's it. And that works for them. Yeah, you're right about that. All right, this one doesn't count as. Um, actually, we're gonna get to the next one first before we jump the gun, because I, I really want to talk about this. Um, another one I wasn't a big fan of, Luke Kennard. Uh. I, I, I understand. I, I don't want to say in a vacuum the same way that you did for um, uh, Isaac because we know that Luke Kennard is someone who is a decent shooter, a great secondary playmaker, um, has some size on him. Like, that sort of thing comes into play. With that being said, it's four years, 64 mil, and I exaggerate a little bit. He spent, like, a week with the Clippers. <laughs> like, and he's had some injury history. Now, it's not all 64. It's 54 mil in guarantee. It's 56 million in guaranteed money. Um, majority of that eight million is additional incentives, some of which you can reach. You know, reaching the playoffs, this, that, and the other. Um, he averaged 15 points a game with 40% shooting from three last year. He's someone that can definitely, you know, help with the wing, and he can slide between shooting guard and small forward, which is great when you have Kawhi and Paul George, and they're going to obviously miss some games this season. That's the positives for that. The negative is that it's, injuries have been an issue for him, but also consistency in terms of saying, okay, for a team with the championship, like we're we're obviously contending here. We need this amount of production from this player. We're not trying to put, like, in the ballpark a 15, 5, and 5. But you don't want to have, you know, solid games and then duds and this and that. I would have rather waited, seen what we've gotten over a larger sample size for Kernard, especially when you have Marcus Morris locked up long-term, when you have Paul George locked up long-term, when you're trying to make um, – and you can still do this regardless because Steve Ballmer's just made him money, but you're trying to re-sign Kawhi at the end of the – you know, in the offseason. Like, you've got wings. It's not like you're worried, per se, about – losing him out when you have some decent ones already that'll be at the three and the four. Uh, I just didn't think it was needed right now. And I feel like while he's played good, I don't know if he's played great. Would that, you know, worth that that early? Um, yeah, so the injury concerns are part of it. He played in 63 games as a sophomore, only 28 last season. And I think in his role in Detroit last year, where he got 32, almost 33 minutes a night, Average 15, 4, and 3.5, and shot well from 3. I think he's worth $64 million, right? That's the thing. Like, on a Clippers team with, you know, the weapons they obviously have, he's more going to be more of a complimentary piece. And so I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to earn that money. Now, look, if you're Steve Ballmer and you're the wealthiest owner in the NBA and you're just sort of willing to lock him down and, and pay the luxury tax, good on you, uh, I guess. But, right, like, do like, does he... Does he command this much money um, next summer? And even if he does, like, is it really that? Like, I feel like losing him is worth both because of, you know, he's not, he's a good player, but obviously he's not someone you would, you know, he's not, you know, is he going to be in their closing lineup? I guess is the best way to put it. Maybe some nights, most likely not. Considering what it took to get him, which was only Landry Shamit, who they clearly viewed as expandable. I think risk you risking losing him is worth the risk to you know maybe sign him to a, a more team friendly extension or to a team friendly deal next summer. Considering how you know I don't think losing him is that would that be that consequential under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. no, you said that probably a lot more eloquently than I would in terms of yeah, like it's not a big loss if you do lose him, but that's saying that he's worth the money in the first place. Uh, and that remains to be seen. And now, we'll, we'll, in the words of Kanye, we'll never know uh, because, uh, you know, he got that extension um, from them. And I just, like I say, solid player, but 
yeah, just totally not worth that in my mind. At least, I mean, it, not totally not worth it like he's not, but it just remains to be sure that he is completely worth that amount. There you go. But like yeah. I said, it's what what can he, what the team feels and where he's at. Um, all right, last one. It doesn't fit the rookie extension, but I just wanted to get this out the way. Happy talk some sense to me because I hate 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 this one. Uh, this is a Rudy Gobert. Uh, extension. Sorry, I threw him in there just because I need a place to vent, and this made more sense. And this is random rant. I. Do not like it. I get that he's, and this is divisive among you know jazz fans and NBA fans at large, and so that's why I'm throwing this out here, huh? Super divisive. Yes, and I just five years, two hundred five mil. He was eligible for the supermax. He basically just got just under that, twenty three million less. It's still a whole lot. Um, He said he left on the table to help build a championship contender, and this is what I think about, like. And what I mean by are you is, like, are you building, like, is this a championship contender? And will it be a championship contender for the life of, you know, his deal with the Jazz? And I guess that's something you have to look at your ownership. Like, I guess it goes into how impactful Rudy Gobert is. And you have someone who's like, I'm not paying a guy to give me, you know, uh, five dunks and, and, a, and a couple of, you know, you've gotten the extreme on both ends. The one guy's make him seem like he's the second coming of, like, Bill Walton with the screen assist and defensive uh, you know, verticality on that. And others are like, he's a scrub who just dunks. And I, I, I don't know where I fall in on it. I think he's obviously an impactful player who just not worth that money. Um, but I just was not a fan. And so I need you to kind of balance me out a little bit and, and help me uh, see the light. Okay. I'm going to see if I can put this as good as possible because okay. it's really a lose-lose for the Jazz because <laughs> – He's not worth, obviously, the third highest contract of all time and the biggest money for a center ever. But at the wow. same time, you don't want to trade him because trading him is only going to get back pennies on the dollar. And you obviously don't want to want to let him walk in free agency because you don't want to lose a player of that caliber. You know, as as you know, as complex of a player as he is to evaluate, he is still one of the top 25, 30 players in the NBA. And you don't want to lose that for nothing. Mm-hmm. That being said... It's the Jazz are in a very weird place right now because for the last four years, they've just been trying to make the playoffs or they've been trying to establish themselves as perennial playoff participants. And they did that. And Rudy Gobert was part of that. And he was a really big part of that. And for that, he earned every bit of the, it was a $102 million extension he signed in 2016. But now the Jazz are at a point where just making the playoffs isn't good enough. You know, they're thinking, you know, obviously second round, Western Conference Finals, you know, and hopefully a championship, right? And yeah. so I think Gobert could theoretically be part of that, but not when he's one of your top two guys, right? You know, like, because, again, like, for all the, you know, for all the love, you know, the smart NBA people like to gush over about defense, to me, offense still is is, is the more important side. It just is. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I actually wrote about this in an article that was published a few days after this extension one where you basically realize, like, Players who produce what is needed for victory, which is points, is always going to be more valuable than the people who stop it, right? Or who prevent it, right? <laughs> so you look at the Jazz, and so they're at this place now where, you know, making the playoffs isn't good enough. And so I don't know if Rudy Gobert, as your second best player, is good enough to help you get there. And so, again, like making the playoffs has been good the last four years. But it's going to sour really quickly. And the comparison I made is you look at the Toronto Raptors. They're the perfect example where, you know, they make the playoffs in 2014. It's really good. 
They make the Easter Conference Finals in 2016 for the first time in franchise history. But then back-to-back second-round sweeps, and it's just like, okay, what do we, you know, what's the end game here? Yeah. Um, and so if you're the Jazz, and sort of a, a point I don't really like to make because, you know, it's, it's so early, and he just signed his extension. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell is not going to reject the rookie extension, right? He's not going to no. turn down $193 million. Most, you know, most players on their first contract don't, right? Yeah. But if you look at the next, what happens in the next four or five years, and to convince him to sign that next contract, and so you look at what's probably going to happen, and they're probably going to, you know, stale, and they're going to, you know, just be in the playoffs. Maybe they'll make a second-round appearance. Maybe, you know, they'll sort of have, you know, a Portland in 2019 where, you know, all the, the seeding breaks right and they can make the conference finals. But they're just, I don't think they're championship contenders right now with Gobert as your second-best player. And so with that, it's going to sour really quickly, you know, just making the playoffs. And, again, I hate to say it, but I also think it's going to have an impact on, you know, uh, you know how much Donovan Mitchell wants to commit to Utah beyond the second con- beyond the second contract. Which, again, I hate to say because it, it feels so gross because he just signed it, but it's also a rehab yeah. of the situation. No, you broke it. No, you did Thank you. Like, that's uh, you said it, again, in a way that it's not just, I don't like the deal because he's making too much. Like, there's a nuanced kind of holistic view on it, but ultimately it's one that looks sad to the jazz side. For Rudy Gobert, you know, you put in the work, he's developed. Um, someone picked late in, the, you know, late in 2013 in that draft to to win two Defensive Player of the Year awards and three All-NBA selections. Like, he's done that work. At the same time, that still doesn't make him um worth even potentially what he wanted, which is the same as Giannis Antetokounmpo. No offense, they're not on the same level of players. And that's what he was looking for. Now, I get it. He gave up a, a huge amount, 23 mil. Listen, when it gets to that much money, I can't even mess around with the context of it, understanding that I never will. Oh, my uh, God. But it is <laughs> – like, 203 is still pretty darn – 205, I mean, it's still pretty darn good. I get that you left some on the table, but, like, it's some that, to be fair, I don't think you would have – um, you probably deserved anyway, you know? So – and even saving that 4.6 a uh, year doesn't – help that much with the team being able to build younger, like better pieces around him. They're kind of locked in on this. Once they get him, you still have Conley on the books for a minute or for a little bit here. Um, you're going to get the extension for Mitchell. And then like, that's your core. Cause yeah. I mean, I like the Mitchell side of it more obviously, but I don't know. And like you said, being offense more than deep, you kind of want that. Um, I don't know in the playoffs where the shot creation is at a premium, other guys to do that. And I guess Jazz fans can say, hey, we can just sign Jordan Clarkson. Well, uh, Jordan Clarkson is not a championship contender to make, you know? But thank you for that. I needed that because I, I was just super sour on it. And from now, we can go from those I clearly don't like to these gray area extensions. Um, speaking of Donovan Mitchell, uh, let's start with him because we kind of talked about Kyle Kuzma already. I, I, I thought Donovan Mitchell was solid. You know, I mean, it was fine. He is a guy who you look at. Younger than Gobert, obviously he's had more offensive growth, able to play different positions. You could kind of see him as the clear cut, uh, whether that is the the first or or, or second um, guy for the Jazz moving forward. Um, made great strides, you know what I mean. With that being said, I don't know if that player option was. I think that's my sticking point. If you're going to give him the money he wants anyway, right? Why give him that option that feels eerily reminiscent to? Um, the Gordon Hayward, I get that everyone's going to that. But, like, if you're going to lock up someone long-term, lock up someone long-term, especially when you have a situation where you're going to give Rudy Gobert this contract, and you're basically giving Mitchell an out much earlier than you'd like. You might be in a year where you're like, hey, we're on the cusp of something. 
Donovan, we're going to make a move here. We're going to, you know, just don't. And, and he might just do it because he's still going to be, what, 28 if he opts out of that in the fourth year? Warren is, you know, why wouldn't he? And I mean, yeah, he got a 30% escalator clause. You know, he, he if he's voting to one of the top three, um, if he's voting to one of the three All-NBA teams, he has some stuff going there. He has pretty decent career averages, 22 points a game, four assists tonight. Like, it's solid. Um, He's been better in the playoffs, 27 points per game. We saw what he did um in last year's first round against Denver. So I'm not mad about that. I guess it's just quibbling over the negotiating to not get him for as long as you need, especially when you're going to make this move that, like you said, could be a – it was already some friction between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't – first of all, like, how nice a life you must be living where, you know, I think we could confidently say that he's going to opt out of $37 million. Oh, my oh, gosh, huh? yes. Like, you said God, it. <laughs> that makes so much money. Uh, yeah, I can't really – I mean, look, I think he's w- worth the entire deal that he signed. He broke out to became, become an all-star. Uh, looked incredible battling Jamal Murray. Uh, in the playoffs, um, yeah, I, I I can't really explain the player option, right? It's one of those things where like, did you did you really need to uh, like give him that? Like, I don't think that was a deal breaker because, like I said, like no rookie, especially like this kind of rookie, is going to turn down close to two hundred million. So it kind of feels like you already had him in, and then you just threw that in just because, just for fun. Why not? Let's be let's go crazy. And again, I mean like. Is a year really going to make a dip? Like, would that extra year be sort of the deal breaker? Like, is that the year all of a sudden the Jazz are, you know, everything's going to click and they're going to put it together? Probably mm-hmm. not. But it's just, right, I guess it's just weird. That's exactly what it is. And, and and that's why I put it in that weird gray area. Because, like, on its face, you look at the player, look at this production. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But but why? You know, cue that... um. You know the the the, the, the I'm not even gonna say GIF, GIF, whatever that you see on Twitter, where it's like, but why though? Like that's and that fact, I think that's what I tweeted in response. Like it didn't make any sense to me, so that's why I have that there. Another one, and another one, I'm really uh, haven't kind of haven't talked to you about because I'm on the positive end of this one. I've seen a lot of negative sides, and I've kind of had a discussion on on Twitter. Markel Fultz, Orlando, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit with Jonathan Isaac in terms of they're not really getting these kind of guys. They were able to get Markel Fultz. Um, in the first place because of his own injury history that made him available, but to get a number former number one overall pick that is still, even with his, you know, bad shooting struggles has shown himself to be at least a, a quality D or the potential for to be a quality starter is still in play. I thought that that extension was pretty decent for him. Um, it is weird. A three years, 50 million. It's not, you're not breaking the bank. I think it's manageable for him. It's showing some faith in what he's done. Uh, 12 points and five assists in 27 minutes a night. He's still working on shooting at three. He's still taking him 26%, not looking too good this early going of the season. But he did shoot 73% from the free throw line. Uh, his obviously has a, his mid-range J looking pretty good. Uh, he'll be 25 when he gets off of it. I think that's solid. At that point, you still have Cole Anthony, who you just drafted, who I think is definitely going to be a backup guard uh, for right now. And you can kind of evaluate at that point kind of where those two are and where you want to move your future with. But for where he's at now, the dude's 22 I think he did a really decent job considering everything he's been through in terms of kind of overcoming, you know, that that, that shooting struggle. And I think that, well, why not? I mean, well, again, where is that money going? And he's shown production. I think this is like the inverse of Isaac because he's been on the floor, but it's just because of what he did so bad his first, you know, couple seasons that really impacted the rest. You know, the more I think about it, the more it, I think it's grown on me because, first of all, right, it is crazy to think about how, 
He's only 22. He's a former number one overall pick. Yeah. He had a really nice season last year. Like you said, 12 and 5, under 30 minutes a night. The three-point percentage wasn't there, but the free-throw percentage was. And that's obviously, I think, an indicator a lot of people, a lot more people are becoming familiar with, where, you know, mm-hmm. if you can shoot from the free-throw line, that, you know, sort of gives you hope to become a three-point shooter. And this year, he's made 10 of 11 uh, free-throws to start the year, and he's looked even better, averaging 18 and 5. Um, right, again, it's the thing we've said a bunch of times, where that money isn't necessarily going anywhere. And the thing, reason why it's going on me is because it's only three years which is, yeah. you know, obviously different than the four- or five-year deals that we've seen. And so maybe if you offer the shorter contract, you might have to bump up the total salary of it, which obviously inflates the yearly salary. Um, right. Yeah, like just like you said, why not for a 22-year-old former number one overall pick who, I, you know, I think after leaving Philadelphia has shown that he, you know, he's gotten himself back on track. And so good for him. And I guess, right, if you're Orlando, uh, guard play has been an issue for them since – I don't know, forever. Um, yeah. I, can <laughs> I guess since they traded Victor Oladipo. Um, yeah, that's really been so it. Get him for three years. And, you know, it, I think it's a nice balance of risk. I agree. I agree. And that's when I'm glad that you have rounded on because that's when I was like, hey, you know, I saw some people go, okay, I saw, saw more than more than others go, why? You know, you got Cole Anthony, this, that, and the other. And it's like, like you said, it's a short-term manageable contract for a 22-year-old who's shown growth. This is kind of what these centers are about, you know? <laughs> Short term. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So right. yeah. it, it just not? makes sense. Yep. All right. Okay. I'm going to go from there. Um, who are you most surprised that you know, didn't get an extension done? I threw out three guys, uh, two on the Pelicans uh, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Jared Allen. We can talk about all of them, though. John Collins, I wasn't surprised by. I figured that he would be disappointed by it. I figured it would unfold the way it has. But with. Them um, getting a Yeka Kangwu uh, in the draft with them already having acquired uh, um, Clint Capella at the trade down the last year. I just figured they were acquiring too many bigs to account for John Collins. It didn't make any sense to me the more they were doing it that they would then go, okay, now we're going to draw. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why they're doing it that way, especially given the season he had. But you could tell by the moves they were making that more than likely it was going to be the case. I would have been surprised if they did. And then Larry Markinen, I think, just. Uh, Injuries and disjointed play has kind of impacted him with Chicago. I could see him coming back. I, if I was Chicago, again, not being a free agent uh, boon, you know, I would have definitely done it just because. But at the same time, he has been kind of all over the place. So I see where they're coming from with that. But of any of them, Daniel, well, what do you think about those that you were surprised didn't get the other? Uh, God, I don't know. I mean, Lonzo Ball, I think, right, their Pelicans are really just trying to see as much of him as they can before they commit. Josh Hart, I guess I would say, is a little surprising just because I think he's a nice sort of 3-and-D wing. We ran the yeah. ball well, and so you would have thought uh, Pelicans, Pelicans could lock that up and, on a nice deal. The Jared Allen situation is just so strange because, like, <laughs> he should 100% be starting, but obviously, you know, DeAndre Jordan is there because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's coming off the bench. So, right, I, I would imagine that was more of him not wanting to sign an extension him maybe wanting to prove himself Maybe not necessarily with the stats that I don't know how how high they can get uh, as a backup center, but maybe you know if if he plays a significant role on a team that you know gets to the conference finals or beyond, he can use that leverage in his in his in a, in contract talks next summer. Uh, John Collins, I, I can't imagine that like every team like every young rebuilding team isn't monitoring the John Collins situation because it's so weird. Because talent wise, he's incredible. He averaged twenty and ten last year. Shot really well from three. Is super athletic. 
Right, the Hawks. I'm I'm kind of confused with. I'm not confused with the Hawks are doing, but I don't necessarily agree with it. I think they're just moving at such a super fast pace, considering all the young players that they have. So, right, they have Capella, they have Kongwu, uh, they bring in Gallinari. Um, so I I don't really know what happens there. Yeah, um, a lot. And he yeah. plays before Gallinari. Yeah, I'm marking in. Um, right, just injuries. Like, like Chicago's not trying to commit to that, especially because now they have a new head coach. So I think they probably want to see him uh, with the new head coach, and hopefully that he's healthy. Um, was there one more? Who's um, that didn't get? I'm trying to look at the ones who didn't. I, those are the ones onto my head. Um, others that didn't get extended, I kind of it, it made sense. Let me go over here real quick. This is that live action uh, checking stuff here. Well, Frank um, Nielakina didn't get one. Yeah, I didn't see that happening, unfortunately. Dennis Smith Jr., yeah, mm-hmm. neither of those is surprising because Knicks don't really They're know teams. how to. <laughs> uh, don't even get yeah. I'm looking now. Yeah, so you had um, uh, Malik Monk, uh, no. Tony Bradley, Terrence Ferguson, uh, DJ Wilson. Uh, you're, we already mentioned Zach Collins, Tony Bradley. Like, these are some of the guys who did not get it. Uh, I think we mentioned the ones who we knew. I mean, Malik Monk, there was no way else going to happen. Justin Jackson, no way. You know, Larry Markin was on the cusp, but I was meaning, leaning more negative than positive. Jared Allen, you already mentioned, that's the big one for me because uh, even if you say that you got De- DeAndre, and you did, DeAndre Jordan was was acquired. It was a package deal for Kevin Durant Kyrie. Obviously, that, those first two parts are paying out for you. And Jordan hasn't been horrible. I mean, he's increasingly immobile, but whatever. With that being said, even if that's the case, is he going to be the starter through the life of his contract? Because if I remember, it was a four-year deal, and he's 31 already. Like, like that's not going to happen. It, it, it's, it's obviously her feelings for Allen. It makes sense. He did decently well. And all of a sudden, because you can level up, it's like, oh, by the way, we're going to knock you down a peg um, to do that. But if you're management of Brooklyn, you go, hey, you're still our guy ultimately. Right now, there's a, there's, a, there's a phase. I think it even makes sense for Kevin Durant and Kyrie eventually to go, okay, you know what? DeAndre's good, but he, he is a better fit. Like, I don't think he thought he'd be a start, a starting center for that. I, I would – you'd be hard-pressed to find a bunch of teams where he would be penciled in as a starter just as, you know, on a good team already, much less when you have a better guy coming behind. So that one is probably one that's more confusing because I just feel like politics are in the way of that. The sacrifices you make to sign superstars. Crazy. I do it every time, yeah. but – Oh, yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you have to. No, exactly. And then watching the way they played so far, you, you without a doubt, Jordan, oh, fine. You know, like, that's exactly how I would say it if I was Sean Marcy. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Like, you know, that's what's going to happen. I like it? No, but for those two, yes. Um, and with that being said, let's go to, like, the last point here. Of these guys that we mentioned that did not get an extension done, probably those two, let's say, did not get an extension done and deserved or, or could have gotten an extension done, Um. Who do you think will be on the move, either the trade deadline or by next season? I mean, obviously, moving Monk and Justin Jackson, if that happens, we're like, okay. But, like, who of those other guys are you, would you be surprised or, or not be surprised? Who do you think would be like, all right, this team isn't going to sign. They're going to get some value back, whatever they can. I mean, the writing on the wall says John Collins, no? Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. the team Atlanta's put, a, like, together, uh, and, you know, he sort of have to, like, earn his role, even though he's clearly an incredible talent. Um, so, I mean, do they trade him? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me to see someone just throw, like, all the money at him and Atlanta just saying, you know, we're good. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I look at that. 
Um, Alonzo, I think, will stick around. Josh Hart could be interesting um, because I think that they'll want to re-sign him, but I think that if he goes to free agency, free agency a, a few teams that will at least pay a decent amount for someone who's a 3-and-D guy who can play a little bit above his size uh, and is just a solid player, you know? And I think there will be some teams out there that can make for And then Jared Allen, uh, don't have to figure out the teams, but in restricted free agency, a young starting center, you know, that can, you know, with his verticality and, 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 and a little bit touch with the offensive end, sure. I think somebody will do that. And, you know, Brooklyn will do their best, but you could make a poison pill and give Brooklyn a taste of their own medicine from a couple years back. You know, make it hard for them to re-sign with everything else they have going on as far as financial commitments are concerned. So those are those are uh, the three, I guess, we just talked about that I think uh, are good candidates. However, I agree with you. I think that John Collins most certainly is in play during the trade deadline. I think the other guys are more just not being brought back by their incumbent teams in the offseason. Agreed. Yeah, but, yeah, Danielle, this has been a blast. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, listen, y'all, y'all can find him on Twitter at D underscore Lubofsky, L-U-B-O-F-S-K-Y, um, writing, great writing at Hoops Habit at Celtics Blog. Uh, do you have anything cooking up right now, man? No. Oh, <laughs> I, don't, listen. I, I usually, I usually wait till, like, that's such a sad thing to say, but I usually wait till the games are over. Um, oh, I guess so this morning, I guess I posted something mm-hmm. about, um, you know, we, we need to, like, stop overthinking James Harden. Like, he's... Yeah really good and he's like a top <laughs> seven player and you know tyler hero is not is not worth holding up that hard. deal for um so other than that yeah but right normally i wait till the game so i'm sure i'll have something on whatever happens tonight hey that sounds like a plan man. well i'll stay tuned uh make sure y'all stay tuned with it as well uh thank you again man and uh, again follow him there at d underscore l-u-b-s-k-y uh you know where to find me at corbin nba Find folks at HoopBall, hoop-ball.com, on Twitter, HoopBall Tweets. Um, until tomorrow, y'all, I'm Frosty. Got my man, Daniil Frosty. I'll stay Frosty, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a HoopBall presentation.